Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, I love you guys. I thank God for you. We've got our difference makers here. We're getting ready. Two weeks. Yeah, baby. Um, we're homogenizing this place, sanitizing, disinfecting. It's going to be the cleanest place you ever came to. Um, on the fifth Saturday, it's a big unity service. But both services that weekend, Saturday night at 5, 1030 Sunday morning, in this room, uh, we will cover our teachers, our administrators, all educators, homeschoolers, and our students in prayer as they enter this new school year. Um, In fact, I'm just going to pray over you right now, if you bow with me, please. Father, would you begin? Probably everywhere I go, I bump into people who say they miss being here. Probably two-thirds of them say they feel uncomfortable uh, coming back. A third say they can't wait to be in the room. And we're just going to start worshiping you publicly, Lord, giving you all the glory. But we ask right now that your Holy Spirit fill me to the full with your fullness, O God, and deliver your word through me to your glory and for the benefit of your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I've been the pastor here for 39 years, and that gives me this uh, vantage uh, to see people do life in Jesus. And one of the things that I've noticed over nearly four decades is the good news of Jesus it radically changes people's lives. I've seen this in my own home. I've seen this obviously in this church. I've seen people who were addicted find Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and get set free and now celebrate their sobriety. I've seen families that were a wreck, a mess, marriages torn apart by conflict, Parenting that had become extremely painful. People surrender to Jesus. Moms and dads, husbands, wives, children. And and those families that were fractured now are healed and whole. And love dominates in that home. I've seen people in this church learn to use their words for healing and hope and encouragement and and help. It's, it's almost as if they've come through the relationship with Jesus to understand the power of their words. And so they don't hold back. They let people know quickly and readily that they love them, that they believe in them. And the encouragement just covers them. But sadly, over the last 39 years, I've also had the displeasure I've seen that there are people that have been here for decades and have not been changed by the word of God. There are those who remain unchanged by the good news. They come addicted and they stay stuck in that painful, self-destructive way of life. They come with their marriage a mess dysfunction in the home, and nothing, nothing changes. Relationships are lost. Marriages are lost. 
Kids drift away from their parents. And sadly, there are people who've learned the power of words to hurt, not to heal, not to help, not to give hope. In fact, it's been sometimes that they would slander and malign with their words. Now, what's up with that? Same people in the same room, hearing the same word, uh, singing the same songs, saying the same prayers, and how is it that some are radically changed for the good and others just stay stuck in their misery? Well, the brother of Jesus, James, he saw the same struggle in the first century church. And so this is the alert. This is the warning. This is the caution that James gives the church. Do not deceive. Do not deceive yourself. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever had someone lie to you? Say something was going to happen when they knew it wasn't going to happen and it didn't happen and you were taken for a ride? Have you ever... But the worst kind of deceit is when you deceive yourselves. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. Don't deceive yourselves by just hearing the word. Now, we love to hear the word, and we have our favorite speakers. People in McChesney, they love to hear Corey Williams, their campus pastor. People in uh, Janesville, they love to hear Kellen Anderson, their campus pastor. Here, people here in Beloit, they love to hear Ray. But you can be charmed by listening and not be changed by listening. You, you, you can hear the word, but unless you put it into practice, the charm experienced in the hearing is here today, gone tomorrow. It's only as you take the word that you hear and experience and begin to apply it in your life, that radical, positive, profound change. I love uh, Romans 1.16. It says, for I am fully confident that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins and risen from the dead, is the supernatural power of God that changes things. It's why I was so delighted to take communion before I came up here to talk. I wanted the power of the resurrection happening in my message and to deliver. So when you surrender to the gospel, deliverance happens. God delivers you to his best version of you. So don't deceive yourselves into thinking that if you just hear it, that that's going to make a, a difference. You've got to do it, put it into practice. Let me show you. If we are not doing, if we are not doing, if we're just hearing, singing the song, saying the prayers, hearing the word, if we are not doing, we're deceived if we think Jesus is our friend. Here's what Jesus said. You are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're a friend of Jesus if you don't do what he says to do. Just hear it and gonna get it. Check this out. If we are not doing if we are not doing, we are deceived if we think we love Jesus. It's just a front. We're just playing church. For us, it's just a game. We're deceiving ourselves. Here's what Jesus says. All who love me will do what I say. You take action. You put it into practice. It's more than listening, more than hearing. It's activating a faith. One more. 
If, if we are not doing, we are deceived to think we even know Jesus. His best friend John writes this way. We can be sure that we know him if, we can be sure that we know him if, we can be sure that we know Jesus if we obey his commands. And the next thing I'm going to share is a bit sobering and maybe more than a bit unsettling, but get this. If we are not doing, if we're just stuck in hearing, if we are not doing, we're deceived to think that we're going to heaven. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, hey, David, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So hearing's a big deal. You are absolutely right. That's the word of God. Hearing is a big deal. But James says, if your hearing doesn't work itself out in practice, it's dead. Jesus just drilled this down into the souls of his followers. He would tell story after story after story. On, on the huge implication of actually practicing what you hear. That, that as, as soon as the service is over, you begin to sit down with the pencil and paper and figure out how am I going to practice this? How am I going to put this into, into action? Well, here's one story Jesus told. He told it about himself. And I want you to get an image, a mental image. I was driving to church tonight, and the sky was blue, beautiful white clouds uh, scudding across the sky. And I thought, one day, one day, Jesus is going to return, and the sky is not going to be filled with blue and white clouds. It's going to be filled with all the angels of heaven, all the angels from horizon to horizon, north, south, east, and west. That's all we're going to see. And that's how Jesus opens his story. Jesus says, I will return. And with me, all the angels in heaven. And I will sit on my glorious throne. And all people will be gathered to me, many on my right and most on my left. And to those on my right, I'll say, enter into my kingdom, enter, enter, enter into my joy. For you saw me hungry and thirsty, and you fed me, and you gave me drink, and, and you saw me um, homeless and without adequate clothing, and you took care of me. You, you knew I was sick, and you tended my needs. You found out I was in prison, and you came and visited me. And, and the people on the right, they're, they're like, Really? When did we see you uh, hungry or thirsty or uh, without clothing or homeless or sick and in prison? And she said, whenever you did anything like that, every time you fed the hungry, every time you housed the homeless, gave clothing to those inadequately supplied, every time... You cared for the sick or those in prison. You, you, you were doing that for me. Um, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And so that, that group of people is ushered into the kingdom of heaven. But the, the other group, the larger group, most of the people, Jesus says to them, hey, get away from me. 
In, you are cursed into hell uh, with all the devil and all his angels forever. Because when I was hungry and thirsty, you, you didn't give a rip. You didn't help me. When I was homeless, naked, you'd care less. You did nothing. Sick and in prison, your life was more important to you than reaching out to me. And they're like, time out, time out, Lord. When did we ever see you uh, hungry or thirsty or, or homeless or in need of clothing or sick or in prison? And, and again, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do, whatever you did not do for one of these, the least, for one of the least of these, uh, you did not do for me. This compassion component in our relationship with Jesus is what drives this church. It's, it's, it's all that we care about. It's why every week, we, we supply non-perishable groceries to hungry people in our immediate area. It's why we're collecting diapers um, for foster families. And it's why families like uh, Josh and Kaya Calhoun have opened their home to foster children. It's why people in our church have adopted. And, and, it's, and it's why right now we are engaged in an effort for the least of these to help rebuild an African-American church in Little Rock, Arkansas that was firebombed twice, building destroyed, Well, we're gonna come alongside them with a love offering to help them rebuild their church. In addition to that, we're gonna come alongside our own Ray McElroy and help his uh, Ray of Hope ministry to 40 middle school boys in the inner city of Chicago. And, and why we already sent a gift of $3,000 to help children in Haiti be able to go to school because of how COVID has ravaged the island. Um, parents are without funds to get their kids in school. And that's how my son grew up. Wilkie uh, had never been to school a day in his life. He's 12 years old, 13 when he goes to school in America. And that's the first time he'd ever been to school in his whole life because there's no money. But, but these, least of these, we do it because we love Jesus. We don't just come and hear the word. We come and put it into practice. Now, that's not the only um, story Jesus told that carried this same theme. He would tell story after story. In fact, three. And you know the number three is a big deal number in the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Three times. Well, here's the second story. Like the first, a king returns. Like the first story, there is a time of accountability. Like the first story, people are gathered before the king and held accountable. And again, those who practiced the word of God, Jesus said, well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in what you've done. I invite you, enter into my joy. There is joy in serving Jesus. This is the, this is the, the drive. It's not for warm fuzzies. It's for this unspeakable joy. But again, as in the previous story, 
Jesus holds accountable and addresses those who only heard but took no action on his word. Jesus said, cast the, the, the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that phrase, gnashing of teeth, it was an idiom that meant regret in the day of Jesus. Man, I wish I'd done something. Man, I wish I'd done something. Man, I wish I'd done something. I wish I'd done more than just hear the word. I wish I'd taken action. I wish I'd applied it in my relationships and with my neighbors and in my life. You see, there's danger. There's danger in doing nothing when you can do something. And there's always joy in serving Jesus. Now, I want to take you into another text. And as we go into these texts, as we hear these stories of Jesus, we are hearing the word. Again, the whole point of this talk is to say to us, is, is to, for, for me to feel the motivation to take action on the basis of what I received from scripture. So here, let me give you the word of God. Act on what you hear. Now, this is James again. This is the brother of Jesus. He had these stories memorized. He knew them word for word. He can recite them with passion. And so he says to the people in the early church, he says, act, take action on what you hear of God's word. Those who hear God's word and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and then two minutes later, have no idea who they are. You see, it's a matter of identity. Our identity is not, like say for me, not wrapped up in the fact that uh, I'm married to Debbie and that we've been married for uh, 46 years. My identity is not wrapped up in the fact that I'm the father of four uh, grown children or, or that I'm even the pastor of this church and have been for 39 years. My identity, I discover my identity through how I apply the word of God. Yes, in my marriage. Yes, in my parenting. Yes, in my friendships. Yes, in my daily life. Yes, in my ministry. They have no idea. They don't learn their identity. People chase after ways to figure out their identity. They'll attach themselves to their favorite sports team, hoping that that makes them a winner if their team's a winner. That they find their identity in who loves them and who they love. But truly, we only know who we are as we practice God's word in our relationships. But whoever catches a glimpse, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be an Einstein. All you can do is catch a glimpse of the revealed word of God, the free life. That is a man or woman of action. And so this as we begin to regather as a church, let's come back together with this as our intent, not just because we get tired of watching it online. Or for me, oh my gosh, I'm such a people person. I'm so outgoing. I'm so people energized that these last five months have been an agony for me. I want to be with people. I want to be with our people. But the point is not to be with. The point is for us together to serve our God and to serve Jesus and to serve people in his name. Let me show you this. That person will find joy and affirmation in the action. That's how James concludes this brief slice of scripture. That the action 
The action actually produces a joy and affirmation from God. Remember Jesus when he was baptized? He was taking action. And on the basis of that action, the heavens parted and God's voice was heard to thunder over him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now certainly... That's the kind of affirmation you receive when you are baptized. But it doesn't stop there. Every time you serve someone in the name of Jesus, you are serving Jesus and you are given joy and you are given affirmation that you are fully pleasing in his sight. Um, Here's the third story. This one's a little different that Jesus tells but, but, but you'll see the point. Here we go together. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? Why do, you call, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord and yet not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me, hears my word and puts it into practice, I will show you what they are like. <laughs> they are like a man building a house who dug down deep. Now, digging is doing. Digging is action. Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Capitalize the R in rock because the rock stands for Jesus. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it. That's a life that stands firm. They dug down deep. Get to the rock, attached to the rock. When the storms of life come, they stand firm because it was well built. But but the one who hears my word and does not put it into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Got this shovel here because I wanted you to get this mental image of digging deep. Digging is action. And here's what's happening. As this guy digs, he's getting out of the way anything that separates him from Jesus. Maybe maybe there are people in your life that need to be removed so you can get closer and closer to the rock. You've got to, as you take action... As you practice your faith, as you practice what you hear in the word of God, as you dig deep, you get closer and closer to the rock. There are other things in your life that separate you from Jesus the rock. You just got to keep removing, keep removing, keep digging, keep digging. And in the removal of anything that separates you from Jesus, inevitably... You get your life in a place, having dug deep, having reached the rock, having built on the rock, that now you have a strong life. And and whatever your life is right now, your life is the life you have built, for better or for worse. But here's the good news. It's never too late to start digging, to dig deeper. It's never too late to start remo- practicing your faith by removing people, by removing possessions, by removing thoughts, by removing emotions, removing anything that separates you from Jesus so that ultimately as you do and you dig and you go deep 
You have founded your, now you, can, now you can build a strong life. Now you can build a strong life that can handle any storm. And I've, I've done a lot of talk on doing. And I just want to make sure that we all understand that, that doing is not what saves us. It's what Jesus has done on the cross in our place as our substitute, being made to be our sin, that we might be made right with God. When, when Jesus surrendered his life on the cross and was raised from the dead, now the coolest thing, man, we get to, we get to have forgiveness of sin because of his death on the cross, but we get to live in the resurrection power of Jesus on the basis of his victory over the grave. We get to live in supernatural power. We get to do our marriage, our emotions, our money in the supernatural power of Jesus. Now, what does that do? That makes us so grateful that we want him as our king. And if he's our king, then we serve him. So we don't serve to be saved. We serve, we do, because we are saved. I'd like to pray over you right now, if you'd bow with me, please. Father, I guess the most important thing I'd like to ask you to do in these moments as you invade homes and hearts is that you would make people keenly aware of what you've done, that you bought them not with silver and gold, but by your precious blood, Lord Jesus. And the only thing that keeps them from doing is, is an unawareness of what you've done. So please let it sink into their hearts. Even now, let them surrender their lives to you, Lord Jesus. Let their hearts be filled with joy and affirmation. Consume them with yourself, Lord. Overwhelm them with your love. Show them the, the, the junk to remove from their lives, to dig down deep until they hit the rock and build their lives on the rock. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in our place. And on the basis of what you've done for us to save us, we want to do for you. With every breath we have, all we want to do is do for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.